Okay, so what's the deal with all these animals that are split in half? We have to figure out what that means first before we can understand what is going on in all these readings. And we know from other books in the Bible and from other kind of testimonies from the time period that this was a, not necessarily common, but a a way to make a solemn agreement between two people. That you would split the two animals in half and you and the person that you were making the agreement with would walk between them. And that splitting of the animals was a curse that you would take on yourself. If I don't keep this agreement, then let me be split in two as these animals are split in two. This is the consequence for someone who breaks the covenant. That if I fail in this arrangement, then I should be split in two as these animals are split in two. And the remarkable thing about this reading is not so much that. The remarkable thing about this reading is that God himself enters into that agreement with us. That God himself limits himself and binds himself to this promise that he makes with his people. We see that burning fire that goes through the two, um, the two sides of the animals with Abram, signifying that God himself has so lowered himself that he takes this upon himself. And for us to really understand how amazing that is, we have to kind of have a, a good analogy. And the analogy I was thinking about this morning was if you were to make a solemn agreement with your pet gerbil, and you were to take the things that the pet gerbil finds attractive, maybe two heads of lettuce, and you split the lettuce in half and put it on either side, and you and the gerbil make a solemn agreement between yourselves, walking in between the two things. If I saw someone doing that in the Barney room, I would say, man, maybe you should go to counseling services. Like, that's a little crazy. That you would make a solemn agreement and a pledge of this kind with something that is, is your pet, who is so low and so beneath you, whom you have so much control over, it's, it's outrageous. And yet this is how far God goes to show Abram, to show his people that he loves them. This is the kind of relationship I want to have with you. I want to empty myself. I want to enter into this, this great relationship with you, and I bind myself to it. Now that would have been enough, but God always goes further. And as we had this one vision, this one moment of God's uh, light entering into the world and into this agreement with human nature, we come to the gospel where we have another one of those. Except here, instead of a fire appearing externally, the fire wells up within. Jesus appears in shining radiance. And you can even picture it, this, this radiance welling up from within him, from within his soul, from within his body, shining out, signifying that God, God isn't going to just limit himself to, to being in a relationship with, with us, but that God will become one of us in order to enter into that relationship. That Christ truly is God himself, God made man. And that God's pursuit of us is not limited just to saying this is a really solemn agreement, but that I'm going to become one of you. And in this case, to take the stupid analogy I used earlier further, this would be you somehow becoming a gerbil in order to enter into a relationship with your gerbil, to show your gerbil love and commitment. And that would have been enough. But God always goes further. And if you remember, the agreement between God and Abram was that 
if we, I am unfaithful to this covenant, I will be split in two. I will be split in two. But what happened is we were unfaithful to that covenant. We turned away from that covenant. We were the ones who deserved to be split in two. But God wasn't satisfied with that. He said, no, even though you have been unfaithful, even though you have been unfaithful so many times, I become one of you so that I can bear the curse. And that is what happens on the cross. He bears the curse for us. We who have so spurned him, we to whom he has just pursued again and again and again, he takes the burden on himself. He allows his body to be pierced with the lance and to be split in two. He takes upon us the curse that we deserve. He limits himself, becoming one of us, in order that we might have life, we might truly live. And that would have been enough, but God always goes further. And so we come to what we celebrate here today. God entering not only into our human existence, but becoming our food. God so desiring intimacy with us that he, that he feeds us with his body and his blood. That he desires to enter deeply into our souls and into a unity and a relationship which is even more profound than we could possibly imagine. He desires us that much. He pursues us to that extent. He is so willing to empty himself and pour himself out for us that the all-powerful God feeds us with himself. And to take my stupid analogy one final step further, it would be like you, in order to having a, have a good relationship with your gerbil, would become your gerbil's food and feed it with yourself. It's insanity. It's insanity how much God loves us. It is beyond our comprehension. And yet we, brothers and sisters, we turn away from him. Someone who is loving us so outrageously, so extraordinarily. We make this food that he gives us just another symbol in our lives. We make his commandments and his words of love to us just another thing that goes in one ear and out the other. Brothers and sisters, if we are so loved, if we are loved to this extent, we need to respond in love. If you were shown how this extravagance in love by anyone else, your heart would just explode. And yet we just pass it by. And so today, as we, as we come to that table where he feeds us with this extraordinary sacrament of his love, with his very body and blood, let's allow that to really sink into our hearts. Allow it to really show us the depth of his love for us. And then resolve to pursue him in return, to pursue him in love, who has pursued us so deeply.